Alrighty, well as you guys were here last week, you noticed it didn't work out too well for Al. You guys remember that? Okay, unfortunately it was a really rough time and he had yet another run-in with the police officer. Can you believe that? Okay, yeah. And, uh, but anyway, so he got released this week. He's here. You can see him, right? And uh, so he, unfortunately, though, he had to get a ride home because, as we saw last week, he lost his driver's license, okay? And uh, so anyway, so on the way home, he, he hails a taxi, right? He's got to get a ride home. And so he gets in the taxi, and he's riding in the back there, and all of a sudden, he taps the uh, taxi uh, cab driver on the shoulder just to ask him a question, right? But all of a sudden, as soon as Al did that, the taxi cab driver, he screamed bloody murder. He lost control of the car. He nearly hit a bus. He went up on this footpath and he stopped just inches from busting out a shop window. Yeah. And for a second, everything went quiet in the cab and the driver says, hey, look, buddy, don't you ever do that again. You scare the daylights out of me. And Al apologized and said, man, what else is going to go wrong? And, and then, then he, he told the cab driver, he, he says, man, I, I didn't realize a little tap on your shoulder could scare you so much. And the driver, he calmed down a little bit and he said, hey, listen, listen, I'm sorry, buddy. It's, it's not your fault. You see, today is my first day as a taxi cab driver. Uh, for the last 25 years, I've been driving a hearse. <laughs> Now, folks, when you grab the context there, at the end, all of a sudden it completely justifies the taxi cab driver's fear, doesn't it? His reaction. He was totally scared out of his wits, okay? But that's right, folks. Believe it or not, he is not alone. The Bible says one day the whole planet really is going to be scared out of their wits, just like that taxi cab driver at the rapture of the church. And the Bible actually says at that time that their hearts will fail them with fear. In other words, they are going to drop like flies from having massive heart attacks all over the planet because they're that incredibly terrified. And that's because they just entered into the seven-year tribulation. And folks, it is not a joke. As we've been seeing, for those of you who do not know, the seven-year tribulation is not a party. It's an outpouring of God's wrath upon a wicked and rebellious planet. Jesus said in Matthew 24, it's going to be a time of greater horror than anything this world has ever seen or is ever going to see again. And that unless that time was shortened, the entire human race is going to be completely destroyed. But as we've been seeing, folks, praise God, God's not just a God of justice dishing out his wrath. He's going to put an end to all the evil and suffering that we see today. Nobody gets away with anything. He's not just a God of wrath or justice. He's a God of love as well. And because he loves you and I, his creation, he's given us so many warning signs to let us know when the tribulation was near and when Jesus Christ, his second coming, was rapidly approaching. We don't know the exact day. We don't know the exact hour. But God gives us these signs to, hey, it's getting close and you better make sure that you got what is important taken care of especially when it comes to eternity therefore in order to keep you and I from experiencing the ultimate bad day of being left behind and literally like that taxi cab driver scared out of our wits we're going to continue in our study that's right the final countdown and if you were here the last three times we saw that the number 10 sign it's a countdown number 10 sign was none other than the jewish people okay and the bible clearly saw as we saw the last three weeks folks is this is when you see uh the jewish people returning to the land becoming a nation again being brought forth as a nation in one day becoming a united nation again their currency going back to being the shekel that they blossom as a rose in the desert they'd have a powerful military that they would uh, become a center of world conflict, that they would rebuild that temple again. And last time we saw, when you see them start to develop an unfortunate relationship with the Antichrist himself, the Bible says you had better wake up. This is a clear indicator from God that you, yes, you are living in the last days. 
You need to get motivated. But that's not all. The number nine sign, remember it's a countdown. The number nine sign on the final countdown is none other than modern technology. We have the sign of modern technology, okay? And so just what are these specific prophecies being fulfilled today, folks, before our very eyes concerning modern technology, revealing that we are living in the last days? John, brilliant question. That works well with my notes. Thank you for asking. The first end time prophecy concerning modern technology showing us we're living in the last days is the Bible is clear. Here's what's gonna happen in the end of times. You are going to see an increase of travel and you're gonna see an increase or explosion of knowledge. Gee, I think we see that today. But don't take my word for it, Al. Let's listen to God's. Open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12 is the context there. And uh, let's take a look there. Daniel, and uh, if you find Ezekiel, what do you do? Hey, it's right on. That's the right answer. Uh, turn right there. Let's take a look there. Daniel chapter 12. And of course, the context of, is going to be the last days. Okay, the end of times. It says it right here. And at the very end, Daniel's going to say, here's a couple things you need to look for. We don't know the exact day. We don't know the exact hour. So don't be a false prophet and try to predict it. I don't care how good you are at math. Okay? Unfortunately, people do that. And it puts a sour taste in their mouths for the non-Christian. You Christians got it wrong again. Okay? Don't do that. But Daniel says, here's a couple things you better look for. If you're in that generation, that's the end of time. Here's what he says. Daniel chapter 12. Okay, verses 1 through 4. He says, now at that time, Michael... The great prince who protects your people will arise. And there's going to be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. It's exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 24. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life, others to what? Shame and everlasting contempt in hell. Those who are wise, therefore, that's the consequences, okay? You want to make sure you go to the right place. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until when? The time of the end. Well, what's that going to be like? Here's what he says. Many will go here and there to increase in knowledge. And folks, what Daniel says here clearly, and he's speaking, you saw there, it's the context of the last days, literally the end times. He gives us two indicators that you're in that generation. He said that it would be a time characterized by people traveling here and there all over the earth because it's a context, is the globe. It's not just local. People would be traveling all over the earth and there would be an explosion of knowledge like never before when you're in that generation of the end times. Now, here's the point. Can anybody guess what in the world's happening right now? <laughs> this is commonplace, man. You don't have to look far for this one. People are traveling all over the earth, and there's an ex incredible explosion of knowledge, exponentially so. We'll get to that in just a second, which means, folks, the passage we just read, Daniel tells us, guess what? It's being fulfilled before our very eyes, and we don't even realize it. It is an indicator that this modern technology uh, has enabled this to come to pass, and we're in that generation. And so let's take a look at that modern technology. Let's break it down today of the two signs that Daniel said, this is the society dealing with modern technology. And the first one he mentions there, he says, listen, here's the first one. You are going to see a massive increase of travel like never before. Okay? You're going to see a massive increase of travel like never before. Now, in order to understand the prophetic significance of this, you have to put it in its historic context. When Daniel is writing down the words of this prophecy, nearly like 2,500 years ago, 
I mean, think about it, folks. The, the mode and means of travel has been basically the same for thousands of years. It's only in the last century alone, folks, that we see a major mega change in the ability to travel here and there, rush here and there, i.e. transportation. For instance, the fastest mankind could ever travel for thousands of years, stay the same, was about 30 miles an hour via horseback, okay? From Adam to Alexander the Great to Abraham Lincoln, transportation pretty much stayed the same, right? In fact, let me give you some interesting statistics. That's right. Uh, at the turn of the last century in New York City, get this, the major traffic concern was dead horses. It was, okay, because that was the major uh, deal. And each year there were about 15,000 horses dying from exhaustion, beatings, and accidents. Yeah, so it was, you know, they had their own car problems, okay? And uh, believe it or not, they had their own air pollution too, okay, due to a million pounds of manure produced every single day from their exhaust problem from their transportation to horses, okay? And, and that's why, seriously, folks, back then, they learned very uh, uh, qu uh, quickly uh, to keep their windows closed in New York City, especially during the summer, okay? That's what was going on. But here's my whole point in sharing that. Even till recent times, by and large, the major means of transportation for thousands of years was the horse, and it stayed the horse. That's it. Until now, in our lifetime. All in the last century alone, we have gone from the horse to the horseless carriage, uh, i.e. the car. We've gone from a top speed to about 30 miles an hour to about 100 miles an hour. Well, maybe more, but we won't go there. Uh, in, in just the past few decades, uh, we now rush here and there exactly like Daniel said would happen to an average of 14,000 or 15,000 miles per year. And there's an estimated 1 billion cars going to be on the road by the uh, year 2025. In fact, speaking of transportation, I was finally able to get my hands on my own man bike. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, and I'm sorry, it's a guy thing, it's a competition. Uh, AJ, have you seen AJ's man bike driving around? Okay, yeah, yeah, that, that tells it all, doesn't it? He's got this, I called him up and said, hey, what is that thing? And he said, that's a Honda VTX 1800cc, or whatever that is. Okay, serious man bike, right? Well, I didn't get a Honda VTX 1800cc. I got my own Kawasaki, and it's awesome. Check it out, man. <laughs> it's cool. I can get here and there. But uh, like New York City, it's got its own exhaust problems, but we won't go there. But uh, AJ, I got one up on you, buddy. But uh, he's going to like me. Hi. But <laughs> In fact, I was so excited about my new man bike, my new, my new Kawasaki. I got each one of my kids a pair of Kawasaki's. I mean, it's awesome. It's a family affair. We're transporting ourselves, rushing here and there, just like Daniel said. But anyway, that's, uh, that's uh, your humor for today. Let's continue on. Uh, seriously, that's just transportation by land. Radically changed, okay? Thanks to the invention of the airplane, which also occurred in the last century, okay? Uh, the world has overnight become a much, much smaller place. For instance, again, a historical perspective. The first flight by the Wright brothers was about 120 feet. Now listen, had they flown from the back of a 747, they wouldn't have even made it to first class, okay? The first plane had limited seating and apparently free, uh, lots of free air conditioning. Okay, and, uh, but a, a Boeing 747 can carry more than 400 passengers, fly 8,300 miles without refueling, has 6 million parts, 171 miles of wiring, 5 miles of tubing, and has a tail the size of a six-story building. Okay, and because there are so many people traveling today, exactly like Daniel said was going to happen in the generation of the end times, the industry is making it even much easier for you and I to fulfill this prophecy, i.e. rush here and there. 
okay? And, and for instance, you guys, remember the days when you used to have to go through a travel agent? Low tech, low tech. Okay, no, you don't need to do that. We skip that whole step. Okay, we go immediately to our computer. We order our plane tickets online. We even print out our own boarding passes on the computer. And for those of you wondering, what's up with your loved ones flying? Hey, worry no more. Thanks to the internet, we can follow a flight in transit, graphics and all. We can observe the speed, the altitude it's traveling. We can be told when it's uh, arrived and, and not just by the internet, but now we can be contacted via our cell phone. We don't even need to be around a computer uh, to stay connected. In fact, this is wild. This is in our lifetime and it's going exponentially. They have finally done it, folks. They have actually combined and it just came out this ability to travel on land and air together, and now we're able to rush here and there like never before with our own flying car. This is a serious man bike. Let's take a look. Just came out, folks. This is amazing. Let's take a look. The idea of combining the automobile with the airplane is no longer a fantasy. What do you think of that, huh? I gotta tell you something, that's pretty cool. Celebrated by news media around the world as the modern day flying car, the transition represents a safer and more practical approach to personal air travel. Aircraft have looked essentially the same for the past 50 years. Transition really is the next step in the evolution of aircraft. The transition can convert between flying and driving almost instantly. You just get in the cockpit, push a couple buttons, and the wings fold up. Although it has been dubbed a flying car, the transition is really an airplane that can legally and safely be driven on roads and highways and parked in your single car garage. The transition is a really fun flying car to drive. It's got a lot of power. It's got a well-tuned suspension. It's very responsive. Okay, how many guys want one? Isn't that the wildest thing? It's not science fiction anymore. They're actually marketing those things. It's here. It's just happened. But that's not all. Remember the context in the last days. If you're in that generation, you're going to see all kinds of people traveling here and there like never before. Thanks to all this new travel technology, you can go down, look, listen to what we got. You can go down to your local store and get uh, fresh crab meat from Thailand. You can have a thoroughbred horse shipped to you from New Zealand. You can get fresh flowers from South America. You can get a genuine New York City style pizza delivered anywhere in the world and we can send a package from Japan in the afternoon and have it in Washington the next morning. That's how much we are traveling here and there. But the friendly skies are not the only place that in this last century, our generation, that we like to rush here and there. The airplane uh, paved the way for space travel and we can now go around the planet in just 80 minutes. In fact, another thing that just came out, this is wild. Pretty soon, guys, you don't have to be an astronaut to go into space. Thanks to Virgin Airlines, who's now launched Virgin Galactic, the average person can now 
go into space. That's how much we're rushing here and there. Take a look at this. Welcome, everybody. My name is George Whitesides, and I am the CEO and president of Virgin Galactic. On behalf of the team, I want to welcome you to Spaceport America here and this beautiful building that we're here to celebrate, dedicate, and officially named. Virgin Galactic is on track to be the world's first commercial space line, and today is a major milestone on our path to commercial operations from Spaceport America. Virgin Galactic is now on the final stretch becoming the world's first commercial space line. Our suborbital space trips promise to be the most intense and wonderful experiences that our passengers have ever had. We, and I hope you, will be traveling on a spaceship owned and operated by Virgin Galactic. Our spacecraft have been designed so that each of our passengers will have the room and the freedom to enjoy the amazing sensation of weightlessness. Large panoramic windows will allow you to see clearly the curved Earth over 100 kilometers below and the colors of the fragile atmosphere protecting our vulnerable planet. It will also be at the heart of our ability to offer a breathtaking journey in an environment which will be as safe as we can possibly make it and of course in the style that Virgin is so rightly recognized for. We're looking at only a three-day training schedule for a flight into space. We will have psychologically attuned you to the greatest ride of your life. Whoa. I should say so. I'm going to have to cash in my man bike, man, to get on that trip. That's awesome. What did Daniel say? In the last days, in the end of times, like never before, people are going to be rushing here and there, going to and fro. This is all happening in our lifetime. But that's right, folks, for those of you who don't necessarily like flying, uh, but you still want to go into space, I kid you not, other researchers have finally cracked the code on this one. They have developed what's called a space elevator, okay? How many of you guys like elevators? This is your worst nightmare if you don't like them, okay? I kid you not, they use a technology that's come out. They've combined carbon technology with nanotechnology, and get this, it's, it's an elevator. It's a giant elevator into space, and what they're doing is they're suspending a massive line that's anchored all the way from the Earth all the way into the upper atmosphere, and you could simply skip the airplane and just take an elevator ride. Watch this, folks. The space elevator, it's coming soon. The main problem with space travel is cost. To put you in orbit around the planet Earth costs about $10,000 a pound. Once you're outside the first 100 miles, you coast. You coast all the way out to Pluto. So if the first 100 miles is the only problem, why not have a space elevator where you simply hit the up button and you ascend up a cable into outer space? For a century, we thought that this idea of the space elevator was ridiculous. Now we have a new game changer, carbon. Carbon nanotubes and graphene. Graphene is one layer of carbon. It conducts electricity. It is the strongest substance known to science. And it will suspend a space elevator without breaking. Theoretically, the main challenges have actually been negotiated. Why not dangle the cable down from the International Space Station and then anchor it perhaps to a barge in the ocean, which is a little bit flexible, giving it a certain amount of flexibility so it's not so rigid. It can open up the universe for the average person.
I thought that one on the stratosphere was bad enough. Been on that thing? Get queasy in your gut? And... <laughs> Folks, this is all happening in our lifetime. Daniel said, when you see this, characteristic of the last days when you see these things happen but that's still not all we went from the moon in the back via rockets and now our eyes are on planet mars and, and all of this is occurring in the last century it's like everything is speeding up isn't it because it's growing exponentially somehow star trek doesn't seem so trucky anymore does it in fact folks speaking of science fiction did you know that not even teleportation the ultimate device to rush here and there instantaneously is no longer a myth in the last couple of years, and I quote, scientists have successfully teleported light particles over a few miles. Baby steps, but they're finally even conquering even Star Trek where you see him beam me up, beam me down, the ultimate rush here and there. It would appear as if nothing is holding us back from being able to rush here and there, wherever we wanna go, even to the ends of space, except God. Here's the problem, folks. The sad thing with all this explosion of modern travel technology is it's making us extremely arrogant. We don't need God anymore. We're our own gods, okay? And it's making us arrogant like the Edomites of long ago who also tried to escape the boundaries of Almighty God. And here's what he said to that arrogant society. I think it's applicable today. Obadiah, verses three and four says, the arrogance of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock in the loftiness of your dwelling place, who say in your heart, ha ha, who's gonna bring me down to earth? Though you build high like the eagle, though you set your nest where? Even among the stars, you know, build those spaceships, go across the galaxy. Bang, from there, I'm going to bring you down, declares the Lord. You're not going to escape. You're not your own God. He is God, the one and only God. But here's the point, folks. Listen, the Bible clearly says, even if one day we can arrogantly boast that we don't need God because we can rush here and there like never before, even to the very edge of the stars, one day God is going to bring us down in the last days. He's going to have the last word. But that's not all. What's the second thing that Daniel talked about there of modern technology? He said, man, you're also going to see this massive increase of knowledge. Now, give it up to Byron, man. I've never seen him type so fast like that. But he's cooking with those two fingers. But that's right. He is going to see, we are going to see an increase of knowledge. Now, again, to grab the context, you have to grab the context historically of when Daniel is writing this prophecy. The amount and the means of the ability to retrieve and share knowledge and information was extremely limited. We didn't even see the invention of the printing press until a few centuries ago, okay? But that's all changed. In the last century alone, just like the Bible says, we are experiencing not just an increase of travel, we're experiencing an explosion of knowledge to where it's no longer just doubling and tripling, it's now starting to get out of hand. We'll get to that in a second. But let's take a look at some information on information uh, before we continue on. Here's what the Bible says, or the stats are. This total store of human knowledge is now doubling every eight years. The whole store of human knowledge is doubling every eight years. 80% of all the scientists who have ever lived are alive right now. Uh, every minute, 2,000 pages are added to man's scientific knowledge. Uh, the scientific material produced in one day today would take one person five years just to read. That's just in one day. About a million new books are published every single year. Since 1970, computer technology has developed so fast that if the auto industry had developed at the same rate, listen, today you would be able to buy a Rolls Royce for $3 and you could fit eight of them on the head of a pin. That's a little cramped in there. I don't want to get one. But anyway, I'll stick to my man bike. Uh, but anyway, that's right. And speaking of Rolls Royces and fitting them on the head of a pin, thanks to a new technology called nanotechnology, we can now construct motors that fit on the head of a pin, thousands of them. 
Watch this. This is pretty cool. This is a man-made motor, a motor so small that more than 6,000 of them would fit on the head of a pin. Welcome to the world of the nanometer, a unit of measure that is one billionth of a meter. A nanometer is pretty small. Uh, one of the best analogies that I like to use is to compare it with a human hair. If you take a hair off of the top of your head, you can see that it's very thin. And now if you take something that's 100,000 times thinner than that, that's a nanometer. The ability to observe and construct things this small is at the heart of nanotechnology. And what scientists have discovered is that at the nanometer scale, everyday materials start to act in unimaginable ways. The fact that you can customize nanomaterials' unique behaviors has already turned nano into the buzzword of the decade. Some researchers predict nanotechnology could lead to faster computer chips, tiny medical devices that repair clogged arteries, and new filters to clean water pollution. Wow. How would you like to have some of those critters in your body? Little robots fixing things. That's actually what they're working on. Dude, what, you got an upset tummy? What, you got nanos bugging you? What's going on? <laughs> a whole new set of problems. Whoa, I tell you what, let's continue on. Uh, weekday edition of any major newspaper we have today has more information than the average person living in the 17th century would have come across in their entire life. Oh, that's just one weekday edition. Listen, thanks to the internet, folks, we've got thousands of international papers at our fingertips anytime, all the time. Uh, continue on. Every day, the equivalent of over 300 million pages of text is sent over the internet with millions of sites. About one half of all medical knowledge is outdated every 10 years, and in some scientific fields, such as biotechnology, the cycle is less than six months. It becomes outdated. It's growing that fast. Uh, there are now watches that wield more computing ability than 1970s computer mainframes. Your watch is smarter <laughs> than back then. Okay. And ordinary cars today have more intelligence than the original lunar lander that was on the moon. We've got more intelligence in our cars today. And if you think the world's speeding up, folks, here's why. Things are now officially getting out of control. We'll get to that at the end of this video. Uh, it's growing exponentially now. Let's take a look at some more information on information.
Yeah, that kind of hurts my head too. <laughs> Ruth, great question. What in the world does all that mean? I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of thinking it means that we're experiencing an information explosion like never before, like Daniel said would happen in the end times. In fact, if you were paying attention, if you saw at the end of the video, this is what's really crazy, folks. Experts are saying that the technology is now growing so fast that we are headed for a serious danger. Check it out. The term they use is called singularity. Okay, now listen to this. Singularity is this. It's the term to describe the point where the technology is growing so fast that it actually spawns a type of superintelligence that far exceeds any human intelligence. Listen, and it then begins to take over the planet. It's an actual term, it's an actual fear that they're actually dealing with, which they're saying could happen very soon. Which means, if you're familiar with Hollywood, Terminator is a reality now. They're actually concerned about it. That's how much of an explosion of information we are experiencing. It's now getting out of the control. And they said when this happens, when singularity happens, and they say it could happen very soon, quote, the human era will be ended and machines take over and the bible says this here's the whole point when you see these things take place christian you better wake up it's a sign you're living in the last days but that's not all. the third and final very quickly of modern technology revealing we're in the last days is all of this would fulfill a new testament prophecy that paul mentions it's going to lead to a society of unrest we call it a rat race and we have no clue it's a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Here's what Paul said this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 7. He said this, but mark this, there's going to be terrible times in the last days. All right, he, what's some of the characteristics? Well, he shares this one in verse 7. He says, a society is going to be birthed on the planet that is always learning, but never able to acknowledge the truth. Okay? And so this is the context here. The Bible says that in the last days, we'd not only be traveling rushing here and there like never before. We'd not only be gathering and acquiring information like never before, but you put this with Paul's and he says it's gonna create a society that is completely uh, unrestful like never before. And the reason why is because he says we're going to end up becoming a people, listen, who are always learning, right? Gotta have this gadget, gotta get this, gotta get this and all this information. It's all my finger, did you know, did you hear? Did you? We're always going to be gathering information because of all this modern technology. But listen, we can never acknowledge the truth. Now listen, think about that. That means it's going to leave us in a completely frustrated and restless state, right? 
Which means, listen, God predicted as a sign that we are in the last days is what we call and even joke about the modern day rat race. Do you get it? It's a side effect of the first two prophecies mentioned in Daniel, rushing here, rushing there, increasing knowledge. Got to get this. Did you know that? Uh. It's fulfilling this prophecy, okay? And, and, and think about it. Are we not told that the more that we acquire and get an increase of all this information, the more peace it's going to produce in our lives, right? If we get this gadgetry that's going to provide you more time, are you kidding me? It's, listen, folks, it hasn't saved us time. It hasn't created more peace in our lives with all this new technology. Listen, we have actually become, like Paul said, a society on the brink of disaster. The secular experts are saying this. Listen, even though we have the most highly funded educational system in the world, we are now producing the most confused, ignorant, and violent children ever. Rates of depression have been doubling every 10 years and suicide is the third most common cause of death among young adults in North America. And 15% of Americans have had a clinical anxiety disorder and serial killers are commonplace. It's not helping us. But what is that? How can this be? I mean, you're supposed to, you know, you buy this thing, you get more time so you can relax and you acquire this information, you could appease no, the Bible says this is why. Because we would turn into a people with all this technology, always learning, but never able to come to the truth. And the truth is, folks, the more that we fill our lives with something else other than God, the more rushed we feel. We are in so much of a rush today, we tap our fingers while waiting for the microwave to zap our instant coffee. Right? These devices are actually making us more restless. Why? Because that's what the Bible said would happen in the last days. One guy puts it this way. He said this. He said, this century's mad dash of innovation has produced the most frantic human era ever. Just like Paul said. He said, we phone, we fax, we page, we email, we race from one end of light to other, rarely even glancing over our shoulders. Technology, mass media, the desire to do more, do it better, do it yesterday, has turned us into a world of hurriers. Stop and smell the roses? Pfft, are you kidding me? I ain't got the time. Instead, we have a world full of seven-day diets, 24-hour news channels, one-hour photo, 30-minute pizza delivery, 10-minute facials, two-minute warnings, and minute rice. We've got fast food. We've got fast computers. We've got fast cars and fast lanes. We've got DVD players with five fast forward settings. Sound bites, rat race, instant coffee, get rich quick, live fast, die young, and leave a good looking corpse. Just run on empty. Just do it. Places to go, people to meet, planners to fill, files to download, bills to pay, planes to catch, frozen dinners to nuke, websites to serve, kids to pick up, stress to manage, and that's right, Al, speeding tickets to pay. One guy said, it's significant with all this information. We don't call it the information age, okay? Or we call it the information age. He says, we don't call it the knowledge age. It's significant that we call it the information age. We don't talk about the knowledge age. Listen, he says, and our society is basically motion without memory, which of course is one of the clinical definitions of insanity. We have advanced beyond our wildest dreams, but we are still spiritually bankrupt about the true meaning of life. And that's because with all this technology, all this explosion of information, all this ability to rush here and there and go like never before, we do not take the time of discovering where the truth really comes from and where true rest and peace can come from, i.e. God. 
Instead, we spend all of our time with the TV, the internet, texting, cell phones, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and a whole bunch of other things that are supposed to give us peace, and they don't. One person said, you cannot grow spiritually watching three hours of TV versus three minutes in the Bible a day. You cannot grow spiritually if you'll take the time to socialize on Facebook, but you won't socialize with God. It's a trap. It's a satanic trap. The enemy is using the media, the modern technology against us to create this rat race society. He's doing whatever it takes to keep you and I so stinking busy. Just like Paul said, oh yeah, you can learn all you want. Oh yeah, you can travel wherever you want to go. But just keep doing that stuff. Don't think about God. That's why we're restless. Even the enemy admits it. Let's take a look at this.
Folks, I'll say it one last time in closing. The problem of being in a hurry all the time, there's much more going on that meets the eye. Not all of our battles are natural. Sometimes it's spiritual. Being in a hurry all the time with all this modern technology, we never, he knows exactly what he's doing. We never take the time to stop and think about that which is most important in life. It's called eternity. And because of all this, it's not just a sign we're living in the last days. It's a sign. If that's how we live right now, even as a Christian, it's a sign that we are being strangled to death by Satan's yoke of busyness. Busy, busy, busy. Rushing here, rushing there, uh, getting this, acquiring that. Did you hear this? Did you hear that? And never able to come to the truth. Instead of worshiping the one true God, we have gotten tricked into bowing a knee before the idol of technology. As if that's the answer to all of our problems, instead of listening to the one who can fix all of our problems, his name is Jesus Christ. And this is the awesome news, folks. You don't have to travel in the space elevator and go halfway across the world for truth. You don't need the latest computer gizmo. You don't even need to sign up for a social networking account, even on Facebook. You don't even need to spend a dime to spend it because the truth of a restful life is right under our noses the whole time. His name is Jesus. That's what he said in Matthew 11. Jesus said, come to me, not this modern technology. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Do not be fooled today. It's by rushing here and there, increasing your knowledge is where you're going to find rest. Listen, because if you are and you're not a born-again Christian, you're not just going to remain restless and frustrated, but one day the Bible says you're going to wake up and discover yourself in the greatest time of unrest this world has ever seen called the seven-year tribulation. And that's why God's given us this sign today modern technology to let us know the tribulation is near and Christ's second coming is rapidly approaching. This is why Jesus said this as well, Christian, Luke 21, 28, when these things begin to take place, stand up, Christian, lift up your head because your redemption is drawing near. We are headed for the final countdown. We don't know the day, we don't know the hour, but it's getting close. And so the point is as Christians, it's time to get busy all right, but just not for Satan. It's time to get busy for Jesus. We've got to get busy. Put our differences aside. Come on. And let's get busy working together as God's team, doing great things for him. But if you're here today and you're not a Christian, what more has God got to do? Heed the signs. Heed the warnings. Give your life to Jesus today because tomorrow may be too late. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. 
even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included. And that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon, 
for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.